Production support comes from Closets 2, providing organized and expanded closet and storage space for home, office, and garage using a variety of systems with no major renovations. Closets 2, owned and operated in Bloomington, 332-2233. Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, phone, and security services. Smithville. Local Pride Global Technology. Information at smithville.net. Mother Bear's Pizza of Bloomington, open daily and offering gourmet pizzas, hot submarine sandwiches, and salads with daily specials. Menu available online at motherbearspizza.com. 332-4495 for delivery. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times in Bloomington, along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. And today we're going to talk about breast cancer to mark Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Uh, We will have three guests with us today. We have two in the studio with us right now. Gwen Hicks is here. She has driven over from Terre Haute today. Hi. Hi, Gwen. And she is the Susan G. Komen for the Cure Wabash Valley Affiliate President. And also Aaron Wyatt is here. Aaron is with the Alcott Center. She's a cancer educator. The Alcott Center is affiliated with Bloomington Hospital. And later on in the program, we'll be joined by cancer survivor Renee Fisher, who will be uh, joining us here in just a few minutes. You can join the program by calling us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. And you can also uh, go to our website, wfiu.org slash noon edition, and uh, send us a note, comment, question, whatever you'd like. So thanks for coming over, Gwen. Thanks for coming all the way from Terre Haute on this rainy day. And Aaron, good to have you here too. Thank you. Mary Catherine. Hi, Bob. See you. Uh, let's talk a little bit. Let's start, uh, if, if we could, about your organizations. Um, Gwen, do you want to start? Well, uh, we are in the Wabash Valley. We are an affiliate of Susan G. Coleman for The Cure. We've been an affiliate for uh, going on 13 years. We just had our uh, 12th race, and, uh, 13th race, I'm sorry, 12 years. And um, we're here to prevent breast cancer and find a cure. That's uh, the Susan G. Coleman's been around for 25 years. It started by Nancy Brinker, whose uh, sister was Susan G. Coleman, and she died at the age of 34 breast cancer. And she made Nancy promise to do something so that other young women or any woman would not die of this disease. And so Nancy got busy and uh, put together an event, and now it's worldwide. There are 130 affiliates worldwide, and we are one of them. Mm-hmm. All right. And uh, Aaron, how about the Alcott Center? What we do at the Alcott Center for Cancer Education is provide education, support, and advocacy for people with cancer and their families in South Central Indiana. Often we will have newly diagnosed breast cancer patients come to us immediately after hearing the words that they have breast cancer, and we will sit down with them, explain to them what their pathology report means in terms they can understand, tell them what the typical steps are in breast cancer treatment, let them know who's going to be members of their healthcare team, and just answer any questions or concerns that they might have. We also do a lot of community education to raise cancer awareness, and we also have a limited financial aid fund for people that are in cancer treatment. Now, if I remember right, when Joanne Alcott uh, started the center, it was the Alcott Center for Breast Health? Correct. correct? Okay. Why the change? Well, in 2004, they decided to expand, and at that point, they started seeing people with all types of cancer because they decided that these people are important too. But I would say that the majority of our patients still continue to be breast cancer patients. Okay. All right. I think it's wonderful that fear of the unknown is one of the greatest fears there there is, of course. And so I think it's wonderful that you, as soon as somebody gets the diagnosis, you're there to answer those questions. What are some of the most common questions you get right off the bat? Well, Sometimes people are just so in shock that they don't really know what to ask. And we kind of sit down and break it down into simple little steps that they will be needing to take in the future. And a lot of times we clear up some misconceptions. Somebody might say, my next door neighbor died of pancreatic cancer. Am I going to die from this? Because it's such a completely different disease. Mm -hmm. So we just kind of try and give them the facts and things like that to kind of give them a little bit better education and a little bit of help does seem to go a long way. Mm -hmm. And then you say you can refer specifically to their individual pathology report. Correct. We will um, pull up their pathology report and sit down with them and say, okay, 
this says this and that means that your tumor is slow growing. It means your tumor is small. It means that your tumor has a good prognosis. And so I think that sometimes helps Mm-hmm. give them a little bit of hope as well. Absolutely. Medical jargon is, is kind of a, a foreign language to many of us. So that's a really wonderful and valuable service. Is that specifically part of the Olcott Center? Does Susan G. Komen provide those kinds of, you know, as an umbrella organization, provide those kinds of help uh, services rather as well? Or um, is this is, is Komen mostly a fundraising organization? We're a fundraising organization. We grant money out to organizations like the Alcott Center. Seventy-five percent of all the funds we raise each year is granted out, and we serve uh, the Wabash Valley affiliate serves eleven counties, two counties in Illinois and nine in Indiana, and then we turn around and grant that out. And those grants are generated by every three years we do a community needs assessment mm-hmm. of breast health in those eleven counties. And then that response, the results of that uh, community assessment, then drives the grants, and the grantees of the Alcott Center and a variety of organizations then apply for funds, and we we work real hard and give it all away. The other twenty five percent goes to Coleman National, and that is put in a research pool mm-hmm. from the other hundred thirty affiliates, and then that money is all given away in research grants each year through Coleman. Wow, that's really amazing. All right. You have the opportunity to talk to uh, some people who are very familiar with issues involving um, breast cancer today. So if you want to give us a call, that would be that would be great. Our phone number is 855-0811-877-285-9348. You can also join us uh, on our website, wfiu.org slash noon edition. Cancer is such a scary thing. I hope that people will call because a lot of people do have misconceptions as – as you said, and this is this would be a great opportunity for people to get their questions answered in a, I think, a very non-threatening kind of way. Mm-hmm. So, what are the numbers um, locally? And I don't know. You know, I know you carry a, uh, cover a multi-county uh, area, so you might have statewide or or you know numbers for your uh, larger service area. But maybe uh, Monroe County. Do you have numbers about how many people you'll see? come through your doors over the course of a year? As of right now, I don't have specific data on Monroe County, but that is available through the American Cancer Society. I can tell you, though, that Bloomington Hospital in 2008, our annual report for 2008, I don't believe is out yet, but I think there were somewhere around 200 cases, which includes the entire 10-county service area for Mm -hmm. Bloomington Hospital. So the the Alcott Center serves people in all those counties, correct? Absolutely. Just right. yesterday, I drove down to Orleans High School to teach the sophomores about breast health. <laughs> so mm-hmm. we see people from all over. About one in how many women can expect to experience breast cancer in their lifetime? Currently, the statistics say that one out of eight women will be diagnosed. And I think that it's projected that there's going to be around 192,000 cases of breast cancer diagnosed in 2009. That's courtesy of the American Cancer Society. And I believe there's somewhere around 40,000 deaths from breast cancer this year. Wow. Sobering statistics. Yes. So, Gwen, you've – in your time working – with the Susan G. Komen Center, what are the changes that you've seen in terms of um, awareness, the need? You talk about doing needs assessments in all these counties. Um, how, how have things changed over time? Well, from the beginning, uh, just awareness. I think you're seeing more and more. You, you see the pink ribbon everywhere, mm-hmm. uh, or it seems you see it everywhere, especially the end of October, which is National Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And uh, getting younger women to be more aggressive. Uh, you know, mammograms are out there. You need to do that. You need to have those yearly. Um, 80% of women diagnosed have no family history. So just because you have no family history doesn't mean you won't get breast cancer. And I think that is, to me, one of the most sobering facts. And so we are out there constantly encouraging women to to get those mammograms, to be aware of your body and what you need to do. And uh, if you have questions, call and ask. And I I think that just that education has increased over the years. And that's one of the the main focus of our program is education to all women. Well, let's just start with a little education, shall we? Um, What's what age at what age is, is your first mammogram now recommended? 
It, it varies, uh, 35 to 40, a baseline mammogram. But if you have a family history, they recommend it early, mm-hmm. earlier than that. And then uh, yearly, if there's no problem, or every two years at least, uh, if you have no family history and no problems. But uh, you just need to be um, – and, and do the self-exams, uh, the shower cards, and you see those. And, mm-hmm. and know your body. What may be normal for one woman is not normal for another. So mm-hmm. if you know those subtle changes in your body and you address them, then here again, that early detection, the survival rate just increases exponentially as, as you find it earlier. So, Erin, you said you addressed a, a high school sophomores this week. So this is really an appropriate thing for a, an appropriate discussion for a mother to have with her teenage daughter. Absolutely. It's In your late teens, it's a good time to get in the habit of doing a breast self-examination. It's certainly not a requirement. It's, it's an option. But if a girl gets to know how her breasts feel at a young age, she will always know that if there are any changes that, mm-hmm. that come up throughout the years. Mm-hmm. And very, very, very rarely we do see breast cancer happen to girls in their teens. I, I remember reading an article earlier this year that there was a case of a 10-year-old out in California. And I have attended national survivor conferences where there were 18-year-olds diagnosed with stage 4. So it can it's, – it's very rare. I, I don't want to make it sound mm-hmm. like it's something that happens every day. But I think teenage girls should be aware of what can happen and, and that it can happen to them someday. What kind of teaching tools are available? Well, what we do is we come in and we have a PowerPoint presentation that we show and then we have a video with real people demonstrating how to do a breast self-exam and we even have these models that are, you know, like plastic breasts that have Mm -hmm. what lumps might feel like, what cancerous lumps may feel like, what fibrocystic lumps, which are very common, feel like and just what a normal breast with no lumps feels like. And then we do pass out the Susan G. Komen shower cards as well. Great. And so those are what laminated cards that you can kind of refer to while you're in the shower hang on the shower head right yeah i've i've had uh i've tried the the one with the board with the Mm -hmm. breasts that have the different kinds of tumors embedded in it um uh, a friend brought it to my book club and it was really very interesting i would recommend anybody uh, who has an opportunity to have that experience very educational you know really uh uh, there's nothing like seeing and feeling for yourself to really uh, have that experience. And then uh, I would wish that that would be something that, you know, every – certainly every young woman has a chance to uh, experience herself. How do how do the people – how do sophomores in high school um, take this kind of education? I mean, you know, we – I think – that's a that's a tough age, I would think, for right. people to stay serious and and people feel you know like they're not at all vulnerable to anything at that age. They generally respond surprisingly well. You know, I feel like they're paying attention, and a lot of them may have a mom mm-hmm. or an aunt or a grandmother who has breast cancer or has had breast cancer in the past. So it's something that they do pay attention to. We always do evaluations, and I'm thinking, oh, they're not paying attention. And at the end, I find out, yeah, they were listening to everything yeah. that I said. Yeah. So occasionally you hear a few giggles, but most of the time they're very receptive. Yeah. Okay. All right. Our phone numbers are 855-0811 in Bloomington or 877 877- 285-9348 outside of the Bloomington calling area. And you can also join us by going to our website, wfiu.org slash noon edition. We have our first phone call and it's Vicki. Vicki? Yes, hello. Hi. Um, I have a question about the availability of mammograms. I used to get a free one through the Volunteers in Medicine program, but I no longer qualify for that, but I still can't afford to get a mammogram. Is there any any program... Like a mo- I know they don't have it, but the mobile ma- mammogram van that used to go around or whatever. But is there any way that a person can get a cheaper or complimentary, you know, mammogram? Well, unfortunately, we do not have the mobile mammography unit available anymore. But there is another program called the Indiana Breast and Cervical Cancer Program, which provides mammograms and pap smears for people who meet certain eligibility guidelines. And I believe you have to be 50, um, 40 to get a pap smear, but I think you have to be 50 to get a free mammogram. But I, am, if, I am definitely 50. Okay. Well... 
unfortunately, I don't have the number memorized, but if you have access to the Internet, you can look up the Indiana Breast and Cervical Cancer Program, or you could call the Alcott Center at um, 353-5669, and I'd be happy to get that information for you. Okay. Thank you very much. You're welcome. All right, Vicki. Gwen, did you know of any programs? Well, often if you're under, do not meet the guidelines for the BCCP program, uh, that's part of what we fund to the Alcott Center. That's one of the granting programs they receive. for Monroe, Green, Salva, the areas around here, Owen County, and uh, then uh, Claire Fairbanks in Terre Haute has access to those services. Or if you do not live in, in our service area, you can contact us. There are four affiliates in the state of Indiana, South Bend, Indianapolis, and Evansville. And if you're in, in one of their areas, you can contact them about access to services. I had a mammogram recently. I do try to behave and keep up with that sort of thing. And I noticed that the technology has changed quite a bit. Do you want to address uh, the new imaging techniques that they use? Oh, we're really excited about the digital mammograms that we just had put in last fall. And what it does is it takes a digital picture, which is much more clear than the traditional analog films. And... Another good thing about it is it's electronic, so it can be, you know, viewed by other um, providers. And it, I feel like we are finding tumors at their very tiniest stages through this new digital mammography. So it's it's very exciting. Yeah, I usually have to have then a, a follow-up um Oh, what is it? Sonogram. Ultrasound. Ultrasound. Thank you. That's what mm-hmm. I was looking for. Um, but with this technology, I didn't have to go through that process. So I, I thought, wow, this is a right. big step ahead. That's great. If, if you're a younger woman or you have more dense breasts, the, the digital is definitely an improvement over the old technology. Now, you mentioned the mobile mammography unit and the fact that we know what used to be available and now it's not. What happened to it? Honestly, that was before my time, uh-huh. okay. <laughs> but I believe that probably the funding was lost for it. That's what my guess uh-huh. would be. Well, the, the whole um, the process of getting a mammography, I think. Um, I mean, I, I, we we had a story in the paper recently. Um, the day we had pink paper, actually, it was a couple of days before we had pink paper for our newspaper on. October 1st. But before that, I talked to Gina Asher, who's Yeah, I was one really of our... glad when I heard I thought I was having a stroke, but then I found... <laughs> it was really pink. Yeah. They warned you for a few days beforehand, though. Portions will be pink. I remember reading that. Gina Asher is uh, you know, a, a friend, former colleague at the Herald Times who is, uh, ha- is a breast cancer survivor, and she talks about it quite a bit. And so I talked to her for a column I wrote. And she talked about the fact that it just drives her crazy if any young woman says, well, I'm not going to get a mammogram or, because that's what caught her breast cancer and caught it very early. Is there any disagreement among medical professionals about the, the advisability of getting uh, – of going through a, a mammogram? No. I, it's <laughs> without a question, you, you mm. need to have a mammogram. It's just there and, and you can give you as, – as with Gina, I know Gina also, mm-hmm. uh, and many, many young women who have found that early and are long-term survivors. So um, it really does. That's how uh, the majority of, of, of often tumors are found mm-hmm. uh, through self-exam or the mammograms and, and go from there. But uh, mm-hmm. it, it's just critical to saving your life. Mm-hmm. One of the other things that she said that I, I found really interesting is about how – you hear, and I think you alluded to this a little bit, Aaron. But you hear, if, if when you hear those words, you know, you have breast cancer, that all sorts of things might go through your mind. And then there's a neighbor that says, "Oh, yes, I, I've been through it, and here's what happened to me." And then some sister says, "I, you know, I, this is what happened to me." And and Gina, I think, made the point that you know, you just have to ask a lot of questions because no two are created equally, and what somebody else's experience was might be of some help to you, but it's really not relevant to your own personal case. Could you address that? Well, I think what you're saying is absolutely right. It's kind of like when a woman is getting ready to have a baby and everybody tells them their horror stories from labor. But the the treatment for breast cancer is pretty standard no matter what. You, you typically have surgery first and then you may or may not have chemotherapy. You may or may not have radiation. But every person's body responds in a different way. Some people tolerate chemotherapy very well. Some people don't do as well. They may feel a little bit more sick or weak than usual. But really it's it's like comparing oranges to apples. It's really an individual thing. And and some people really like talking to other people to find out what their experiences are and if that's 
helpful to them, then that's wonderful. We do have a breast cancer support group. Mm-hmm. I was just going to ask that, yeah. I, I would think that, you know, I have, after – I think what you said is – certainly makes a lot of sense but I, I do think the idea of talking with other people who have survived it because I think again when you are told that you have cancer um, it, you can think well that's it you know that's a death sentence for me but in fact it's far from that in most cases so talking with other people um, probably is very comforting in some ways right well and women like to talk so I mean you know seriously that's how <laughs> we man. process information. <laughs> Um, is is by you know talking with each other. So tell me about the support group. How often does that meet? And are are there people who have uh, been in it for a long time who are kind of the mentors of the folks who are just um, learning about their own situation? Or or how does that work? Well, our support group meets weekly every Wednesday at the Alcott Center for Cancer Education, which is on six nineteen West First Street, right behind Bloomington Hospital, and it meets from seven p.m. to eight thirty p.m. And typically. Our attendees are newly diagnosed. Mm-hmm. After they've been through it for a while, they kind of graduate and start go. There's actually a group which um, Gina is associated with called Step Ahead. And they meet, I believe it's the first or second Tuesday of the month, and they always meet out at the bakehouse on the east side of town. And so these are women that are long-term survivors that have been through treatment, and it's been several years. So there are different types of groups that are available for women. And for women that don't feel like they would benefit from the group session, we can match people up. We have a lot of volunteers who have said, if someone wants to talk, I'm willing to share my story. So more of a one-on-one. Correct. Feel more comfortable in smaller. Right. Yeah, I see. Okay. That's very nice. Gwen, what kind of uh, opportunities like that are there in the Wabash Valley? We have uh, two different support groups, Uh, a group that used to be called the YME group, and they've changed to the... (laughs) And they met at the Y, so that's the Y. Oh, that's great. Me, that's um, great. A group, not Y me, pitiful yeah. me, but yeah. Y. Um, and so it's a group. And then they have just started a new young cancer survive, a group for young women because their needs are different, obviously, than, than women that are in their mm-hmm. 60s that mm-hmm. have been diagnosed. Uh, and it's called Connections. And you can find that information on our website. Uh, it, it's up and running, and we're looking to expand that. We've got some great young survivors who have put that together and working as a grantee. So, uh, And then a race day. We just had our uh, you know, 13th annual race for the cure. And one of the amazing things to me is we have a parade of survivors and you have those newly diagnosed survivors and then you have survivors that are a 39 or a 40 years, and which is the dark ages of breast cancer. But they're there to, to you know, that you do survive breast cancer and it's not a death sentence and it, you can survive and have a fabulous life. And uh, so there are lots of, and we do the one-on-one connections also. If you call, we can connect you up with an individual. How many people did you have for your last race? We registered uh, over 2,700. I haven't got the final number yeah. yet because we have <laughs> still coming in in the mail. But over 2,700 registered for this year's event, which uh-huh. we were very pleased. It's up over last year's numbers. And in this economy, we're very especially pleased with that. And what was your fundraising goal? Uh, lots of money. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> never, There's never enough uh, uh, to grant out. Obviously, the need is, is becoming greater with uh, the economy and lack of services. Uh, that's one of the things that the community need uh, assessment does is identify what the needs are and access to services because we do serve so many rural c- communities um, is the number one need and then lack of funding. We probably get uh, five, six calls a month at least. Um, Obviously, more this time of month because we get a little more air, you know, publicity and airtime. But um, wanting, I don't have insurance. I found a lump. Where do I go? What do I do? Kind of uh, event. So we, can, you know, we have the uh, pleasure of being able to refer those on. But um, so there's lots, lots of opportunity. But uh, we wanted to exceed last year's money. Last year we granted out locally over 140 thousand. So we hope to, uh, and I, I think we're going to be able to meet that. What what some of those grants go to go toward? Ah, well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> we had uh, nine grant recipients this year, uh, or the 2009-2010 year. Um, Claire Fairbanks and uh, Center for Women's Boutique, they provide uh, mastect- uh, prosthesis for women or wigs or those kind of things that they need as they're going through um, therapy. Claire Fairbanks uh, Center for Women, they do screening, mammograms, diagnostic mammograms, and ultrasounds. The Sullivan County Community Hospital is a breast care program. They offer free mammograms and, and uh, support. West Central Indiana Community Hospital, No Women Left Behind. It's diagnostic mammograms. Sarah Bush Lincoln in Illinois, and it has a mobile mammography unit that goes out into those rural communities. We help fund that. Uh, volunteers in Medicine, Monroe County. It's ensuring breast cancer screening for underinsured patients. 
Bloomington Hospital's foundation, the Alcott Center. It's ABC's of Breast Cancer for Monroe and Owen County residents. Bloomington Hospital Foundation, the Alcott Center. Take My Hands is a therapeutic massage program for people going through uh, chemo and radiation. There's a lot of uh, science behind if you're relaxed, you're calm, you're more receptive to receiving treatment. And then the Maple Center, which is enhancing, empowering, and engaging breast cancer patients and survivors through integrated health. And they do a variety of uh, exercise, tai chi, uh, yoga. They have uh, a Survivor Day celebration. So lots of those kind of uh, programs are available throughout the community. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a, a wide variety of programs are being helped by your by your organization. All right, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're also going to be joined by Renee Fisher, who's a breast cancer survivor. You're listening to Noon Edition. We'll be right back. You're listening to Noon Edition on member-supported WFIU. Production support comes from Closets 2, Smithville Telephone Information at smithville.net and from Mother Bear's Pizza at motherbearspizza.com. You can take WFIU programs with you by downloading our podcasts. Podcasting is a convenient and easy way to download audio files directly to your computer, iPod, or portable player. You can download podcasts of full-length programs like Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor, and Harmonia, or short features like Kinsey Confidential, the Ether Game Musical Mini Quiz, as well as movie, play, and opera reviews. Find out more by going to our website, WFIU.org. And have you heard WFIU's news features? On Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, the WFIU news team brings you expanded and in-depth reports on topics affecting south-central Indiana. Listen at 8.33 a.m. and 5.45 p.m. every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to catch that day's feature. If you miss one, that's okay. They're archived on our website, WFIU.org, and the best features from each week can be heard Saturday mornings at 745. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times along with Mary Catherine Carmichael, and we have three guests with us today. We're talking about breast cancer and breast cancer awareness. Gwen Hicks with the Susan G. Komen for the Cure Wabash Valley Affiliate. She's the president there. Aaron Wyatt, who's with the Alcott Center, a cancer educator here in Bloomington with the Alcott Center. And we're being joined the second half of the program by breast cancer survivor Renee Fisher, who's been stuck in traffic after an accident outside. Uh, Not a very serious accident, we hope. I don't think so. If you want to join us the second half of the show, call us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. And you can also go to our website, wfiu.org slash noon edition. Renee, thanks for coming. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Yes, we're, we're happy to have you. Could you just give us your story just in a nutshell? Talk about you when you were diagnosed. and In a nutshell, um, I found the lump in my right breast, 2007, 28 years old. I'm married, mother of two. Um, in the shower, self-breast <clears throat> examination, found the lump, showed my husband, called my OBGYN. She performed a clinical breast examination. We didn't think it was anything due to my age. Um, A week later, I went in for mammogram and ultrasound. The doctor at that time told me he was fearful of mammographic evidence that I had breast cancer. I was alone at the time. Um, Very scary, as you can imagine. Kind of took the wind out of my sails. Mm -hmm. Um, August 3rd came the diagnosis. I had infiltrating ductal carcinoma. It is the most common type of breast cancer. Luckily for me... It is an aggressive cancer, which also means it responds nicely to treatment. Um, I was a stage 3. I did have lymph node involvement. So that led me to a bilateral mastectomy, chemotherapy, and radiation. Um, I'm a two-year survivor. Yay, (laughs) yay, thank you. Um, And I am now going through my reconstruction process, which is a lot of fun. So. That's kind of it in a nutshell. Okay. Well, take us through a little bit more through the last two years. You, you said you know you were alone when you got the diagnosis, and it was very scary. Try to put yourself in the situation. How did you even drive home? That's what I, I can't I don't imagine. Yeah, I don't know either. Um, I often try to go back to that day to where the doctor 
pulled his chair up to me in this little bitty cubicle consultation room, and he put his knees to my knees, and he grabbed my hand, and he said, Mrs. Fisher, I don't know how to tell you this, but I have mammographic evidence of breast cancer in you. I was 28. You know, I have two small children at home and a husband who loves me unconditionally. How do I, how do I pass that information on to them? Mm-hmm. You know, it's just something that every woman... I believe fears to hear, mm-hmm. and men, men also. We can't forget the men. You know, right. there'll be seventeen hundred new diagnoses this year of men um, to hear those words. So, I did make it um, through the di- through that experience with the doctor. He offered to drive me home because I was Aww. so emotional, as you Aww. can imagine. Um, I made it home. I called my husband, and you don't want to. You don't want to give that information over a telephone call. You want to be in person. Right. And you're scared about him getting home safely. Oh. Yeah. Fortunately for me, his job allows him to work out in the field. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a lineman, mm-hmm. plays with electricity. He was not. He was working not far from home. So I was able to drive over to where he was at. Um, and I did tell him on the phone. I didn't want to, but I was so scared. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to share it with somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did tell him and then I met him at his job site and he came over and, of course, the whole embrace thing and, you know, we can do it. We're going to make it kind of thing. Um, and then it was a lot of testing, a lot of meeting the doctors, different doctors. I did meet with some here in town. My breast surgeon is here in town. I did go to Indianapolis, though, for my chemotherapy treatment. That was, wow, chemotherapy. Um, my first chemotherapy was September 7th of 2007. On the 6th of September, I did the hardest thing I think I'd ever had to do. It was harder than losing my breasts. And it is I shaved my head. Yeah, I took my own hair so that cancer couldn't take it. Hmm. It was a moment of empowerment. Mm -hmm. Um, And at that moment, I think I found who I really was. You know, my children and my husband and my parents and my in-laws were all there at the house. We had a nice meal. And in my dining room, I sat on a chair, and one of my friends shaved my head. And that they all saw me at my strongest, at my weakest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, 12 rounds of chemotherapy, um, 33 radiation treatments later, I'm doing good. Yeah. Well, and for, we're on the radio, so we need to mention that you look like a million bucks. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful skin, beautiful hair. You look you know, absolutely fully recovered. No one would ever guess that you'd ever been through this kind of uh, character building experience. You know, what's really fun is I did a lot of um, advertising for Bloomington Hospital. Right. I remember seeing your Mm -hmm. picture in the paper many times. Um, On the, on the air, on the TV air, radio air, in magazines and newspapers, my face was everywhere. Mm -hmm. People today will come up to me and kind of look at me and you can tell. You can see their gears clicking. Is that really the Renee that we did mm-hmm, see in the newspaper? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, just Wednesday night, I did a thing at Martinsville High School. The girls' soccer team went pink for breast cancer awareness. Oh, nice. And they asked me to do a little speaking event during halftime. And the lady at the gate kind of looked me up and down, and she said, Are you Renee Fisher? And I said, I am. She goes, Oh, my gosh, your hair is gorgeous. <laughs> I said, Yes, I know. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Um. And so I, I also need to say, while we're on here, if I may, a, a huge thank you to all the people um, in the city of Bloomington and in the surrounding communities. My face, my children, my husband, our faces were plastered all over these counties. People that I do not know, that I wish I could know, I wish I could recognize you like you recognized me. They have prayed for me. They have offered such kind words, hands. Just all this care that has come in from – it's been given to me from people I, I will never know. Mm-hmm. And I do greatly, greatly appreciate it. It is so much for someone just to give you a kind word and to know that they're including you at nighttime mm-hmm. before they go to bed. Thank you so much for that. Oh. I was just going to say you're very familiar with both Gwen and Aaron. It seemed I like am. But as, as you walked in, very warm greeting. Could you talk about uh, both of their organizations, the Susan G. Komen for the Cure and uh, the Alcott Center? I would love to. Um, I'll start off with Alcott Center. It's the first place that I went to for a helping hand. 
we all know of Susan, Susan G. Komen. Um, I wasn't aware of how to get affiliated or how to get involved. So here in Bloomington, I ran to the Alcott Center. Mm-hmm. Aaron and Janice were there. Um, they opened up to me and taught me things and just kind of let me know that just because I had breast cancer doesn't mean you're going to die. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone puts cancer and death together like a hand in a glove. The Alcott Center taught me so much more than that. Early diagnosis, early detection, the best protection. Um, it's a phenomenal place. I would go there anytime. I would call them anytime, day or night, stop in anytime, day or night. They offered me head coverings. Um, they set me up with people for prosthetics. I got um, massages because mm. I was a chemotherapy patient, um, a cancer patient. It's a wonderful, wonderful organization. There's so much love in that place. And as far as Susan G. Komen, I have no idea what we would be without such a phenomenal grassroots organization for women like myself. It is such a family. It's a sisterhood. It's an, it's an immediate community. And they open you with arms wide open. It's a great foundation. We did walk 60 miles for Susan G. Komen last year, my husband and I. Uh-huh. A three-day event. Um, flip-flops. And I walked 40 uh-huh. miles in flip-flops. Oh, yes. Why did you do that? <laughs> were they pink? <laughs> I wish they were pink. That would have been a lot cuter than what I wore. Um, because I had blisters so terribly on oh, my feet. Yeah. Oh. I never wear tennis shoes or cover my feet. Flip-flops for 40 miles along um, Chicago, downtown Chicago. <laughs> yeah, along Lake Michigan. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Well, I want to ask how – this had to have been an amazing experience for your children. Uh, very – well, I can't even imagine. How are your children now? I am so happy to announce they are wonderful. Walker was eight at diagnosis. Um, he is now going to be 11 in November, fifth grade, um, honor student. He is fabulous. He's just the epitome of my little loving heart. And then Macy, she was three at diagnosis. She's now, she just turned six. She is quite the little princess, let me tell you, mm-hmm. full of drama. Um, and she, too, is just the center of my, my world. I love them. They are the bravest. They are, they are full. I used to say they are driven by hope, but they're full of fear. You know, every day my son will ask me, if he asks me one time, he'll ask me 10, Mom, are you okay? Aww. Mom, are you okay? Yes, I'm fine, Walker. I'm fine. Mom's fine. If I'm not, I promise I will let you know. They are great children. They're wonderful. And I'm so thankful that I get the opportunity to be their mom. Yeah. All right. We're talking about breast cancer today, and we have three guests. You've been listening to Renee Fisher, who's a breast cancer survivor. She's joined us for the second half of the program. Also with us are Aaron Wyatt from the Alcott Center in Bloomington and Gwen Hicks with the Susan G. Komen for the Cure Wabash Valley affiliate. If you want to join us on the show, you can call 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. And you can also go to our website, wfiu.org slash noon edition. You know, for some reason, breast cancer seems to have a carry its own package of fear along with it that's unique to any kind of cancer. And is that something that is discussed in either the support groups or, or Renee, perhaps something you felt, um, or was that not the case for you? I think, I think it does have its own fear. Um, until you are in this situation, you don't know all of the logistics. You don't know all the numbers. You don't know all the truth. You know, you live on statistics. You hear, live mm-hmm. on hearsay. A lot of the women that you meet, they're fearful, but they're not driven by fear. They're very hopeful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're fearful that you're going to recur. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want you don't want to go through this again. But at the same time, if you do, been through it once, bring yeah. it on. I can do it mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think there's more hope than fear. I think the the general public is fearful of the disease. I think the immediate community. I think we're all more driven by hope. I, I just think – well, what I wanted to get to, though, was I think that with breast cancer, um, there's a, a – your femininity is often connected to your breast and so or, – or, you know, some portion of that. And so I wonder if that's – you know, if that's a, a specific issue for – I would think it would be for every woman. I've known several women and I'm sure Aaron and Gwen know women who they don't want to 
have a mastectomy because they're going to lose their femininity. Mm. You know, they would rather deal with the cancer than have to lose their breasts. That's a hard, I cannot even comprehend that. Um, I, I think it's doable because you know what's coming. The, the hair loss, as Renee said, that was probably uh-huh. the most challenging thing for her. Uh, there's so many things that women identify themselves with. I mean, your hair, your breast, uh-huh. uh, that um, other that men do not. Um, uh-huh. And uh, so, you know, just the impact of those things, and, and to know. Um, and then often, you know, you've got children. Uh, there's that uh-huh. connection. That it's another layer of fear that's in there. So there are many, many layers, and uh, you just have to address them all. And it takes a lot of courage. Uh-huh. All right, we have a phone call. Let's okay. go to the phones, and it's Carla. Carla, go ahead. Hi. Hi, Carla. Go ahead. Renee is my daughter. And you cannot believe how strong she is. She's the greatest person that I know. And I love you very much, Renee. Good job. Thanks, Mom. I love you, too. Thank you, Carla. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for the call. Well, we're getting a sense of how strong she is today mm-hmm. here on the radio. Mm-hmm. So we have another phone call. Let's go. Thank you for that call. That was very nice. It's an emotional program. Yeah. Let's go to Susan on the phone. Susan? Yes, um, this is Susan. I was just calling to ask um, Aaron or someone. I was had been told that um, breastfeeding can reduce your rates for, or your percentage for getting breast cancer, and I just wanted to find out more information about that. Susan, I'm actually really glad that you asked that because I think that that is a risk factor that a lot of healthcare providers tend to overlook how significant it actually is. We know that for every year a woman breastfeeds, her um, relative risk of breast cancer compared to somebody who does not breastfeed is reduced by 4.3%. So you think, well, I have three kids that I nursed for a year each, so that's you know 12.5% right there. Um, we also know that breast, or breastfeeding can reduce your risk for ovarian cancer, which is another very deadly cancer as well. And breastfeeding can also help protect against triple negative breast cancer, which you don't hear a lot about in the news, but it significantly can reduce the risk for triple negative breast cancer, which is very aggressive and can be quite deadly. So, okay. so thanks for your question. Thank Raising you very much. <laughs> All right, Susan, thanks a lot for the call. Erin, um, are there other things that – can reduce your risk? <clears throat> well, typically things that you would just want to do on just everyday things to be healthy. You know, we know that smoking is a risk factor for breast cancer, so don't smoke. Try and exercise. Eat plenty of fruits and vegetables, whole grains. There's not really one thing that you can do to prevent breast cancer, and there's not really one specific thing that you can do that causes breast cancer. But we know things like being obese is a risk factor for breast cancer. Having a family history, having your first child after you're 30 years old is a risk factor for breast cancer. Um, having a gene, which you may have heard of, BRCA1 and BRCA2, if you're a carrier of that gene, you're much more likely to get breast cancer. And then other things, like I said, like um, breastfeeding, exercise, maintaining a healthy weight, those are all protective factors. So now, am I correct in you can get testing for the BRCA1 and BRCA2 now to find out if you have that? That's right. What the BRCA1 and BRCA2 gene is, about 5 to 10% of the general population carry this gene. And if you have it, you're much more likely to develop breast, colon, and ovarian cancer. And now we're even hearing things like prostate cancer are associated with it. So a lot of times what happens, if a woman is diagnosed with breast cancer, she can elect to undergo this genetic testing. Mm -hmm. And we start to look at things like if a woman was diagnosed before age 50 or if she has several first-degree relatives who were all diagnosed at early ages, um, those are things that make us think, hmm, maybe she might be an appropriate candidate for testing. So I know there's a lot of doctor's offices in town that offer this, but we also offer genetic risk assessment as a free service at the Alcott Center too. Our other nurse, Janice, Ross will provide that service, and you can go get your testing done at the hospital. Okay, so once you find out, yes, I have this gene, then what? Well, some people want to know. Some people don't want to know. And I guess the advantages to knowing would be you would always be very um, 
Vigilant. Vigilant about getting your mammograms every year. You may even need to get them every six months or something like that. Some women go as far as having prophylactic bilateral mastectomies, and some women even choose to have their ovaries taken out as well, just as an extra benefit if they're at very high risk for cancer. All right. We have about uh, less than 10 minutes to go on the program. So if you want to call us, 855-0811-877-285-9348 and WFIU.org slash Noon Edition if you want to email us. Um, Renee, so two years after your diagnosis, what, what are some of the lessons that you learned, some of the, some of the things that you could pass on to someone who might be in your same position sometime down the road? Um, don't be fearful. Obviously, easier said than done, but don't be fearful to the point that you don't want to learn as much as you can. You know, Mm -hmm. knowledge is power. Mm -hmm. So get yourself out there. Do all that you can do. Be proactive in your treatment. Um, And know that you're not alone. There's other people who have paved a very wide road for you. And if you need something, we're all very accessible. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, there's going to be a lot of things you're going to go through. Your body's going to change. Your mind and your, your settings are going to change, and that's okay. It's supposed to. You know, chemo is a nasty thing. It's supposed to change you inside and out. Mm-hmm. So let it happen. Go with it. It's part of the journey. Life is a game. Just play the game. But when you're at the moment where you just can't do it anymore, it's okay. You're not alone. You know, reach out for some help. All right. Good advice. Yeah. So um, have you – I assume you've been in – like you said, you've been in several um, groups where you've talked with a lot of – support groups, uh-huh. talked with lots of people. What, what are the questions you get asked the most? Um, what does it feel like? A lot of women will say, well, I found a lump in my breast. What does it feel like? I just knew, you know, in the shower that night – I was washing my body, and this very large, very hard, almost felt like a frozen pea, like a rigid frozen pea. Um, I, I just think I think if you're in tune to your body, if you know yourself, mm-hmm. it'll let you know. You know, you're you're going to know. But you had no symptoms other than the lump. You felt fine otherwise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was busy mom, a, two busy little mom, kids. Living a great life. We were actually at Holiday World that, that weekend that I found it. Mm-hmm. You just went down for a long weekend. Sure. Um, and that's the thing about cancer. It is non-biased. It is not prejudiced. And it does not care who you are or what you're doing. Mm-hmm. If it wants to rear its ugly face, it will. Mm-hmm. So um, a lot of the questions just, is this, people ask me, will you feel this? Feel this for me, is uh-huh. this love? you know, which is fine. Mm-hmm. I don't mind doing that. Um, and but you're not a doctor. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> no, and that's that's definitely the thing. I am only a breast cancer patient. If you feel that you have a lump, you need to go see your physician. Definitely see a doctor. Mm-hmm. Get it taken mm-hmm. care of now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's one of the keys is early detection and dealing with it early. Uh, you know, if you find something, you need to go to the doctor. Right. Yes. All right. We have a phone call. It's uh, Tim. Tim. Hello. Hi, Tim. Go ahead. Can you hear me? Yes, yes. sir. Go right ahead. Um, I was a little reluctant to call because I was feeling a little bit jealous about all the uh, information about breast cancer. I'm a prostate cancer survivor. And we've had very great difficulty getting anybody interested in a support group and help. I'm wondering how did you get all the public interest in this uh um, going and what is there about men that makes it difficult for them to share openly about this disease? Thank you. Well, I think Mary Catherine hit it right on the head. Women like to talk, mm-hmm. and we talk about it. We are getting out there and we're empowering, and we're you know, finding out that's the way. It's it's not what you know; it's who you know. Sometimes, and uh, just talking about it and uh, the knowledge and power. When Susan G. Comas. Um, when the first race was held and Nancy Brinker was interviewed, she couldn't say the word breast on TV 25 years ago. So you can imagine that the strides that have been made in 25 <laughs> years, and it's women talking about it. Uh, we're out there all over the place. Uh, so you just got to talk to everyone. Well, I think it's, it's – I'm glad Tim called because uh, we are doing a show on prostate cancer and prostate cancer awareness coming up in November. And uh, as a three-year uh, survivor myself, I'm eager to – 
uh, be on that show. I won't leave, leave Mary Catherine alone. Please, please, <laughs> please don't. Please show up for that show, Bob. <laughs> I will. So, we'll, so we will be talking about that coming up. Um, I wanted to uh, – we only have three or four more minutes in the program and Renee, it's such a rare uh, treat to have you here because I, I know that you, you are very open about all of this and I think it's very you – know, it's wonderful because information is gold. Maybe a little too mind. much at some point. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. But you, know, you were only 28 so I, I would imagine everything was sort of a surprise to you as you moved through this. Can you think about some time when, when you were – Really, sort of shocked. Other than just the diagnosis, about how this how this was playing out, how this uh, treatment and everything was happening. I think I'm shocked almost daily when I take myself out of my everyday life and I look back on the past two years. I am just I cannot believe I have endured this. Mm-hmm. You know it. It really makes you thankful for what you have, what you don't have, who you are and where you came from. Mm-hmm. I truly, I am shocked all that I still cannot believe I am a breast cancer survivor. You wouldn't have known you were capable of it, would no, you? No, mm-hmm. never. Mm-hmm. You just, it's unbelievable. All right. I think you think Gwen. that happens to someone else. It's not going to happen to me mm-hmm. in a way, it's, but it's always out there. And then when it does, it's the, the shock factor uh, just hits you. But uh, that's what I hear from, from many women that they don't think – I'm a breast cancer survivor. This has happened to me. It, it always happens to someone else, but uh, it, it can happen to anyone. Mm-hmm. We had a walk on Saturday. I'm sorry. No, go right um, In Terre Haute for the Wabash Valley affiliate of Susan G. Komen. And they always have a parade, the survivor parade. And you get in that group of women. You know, there's a couple hundred women together walking together. And everyone's clapping for you. And it is such a surreal experience. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it, you just, you cannot believe it. It is amazing. I'm so thankful I have been able to be part of it. I think these events are, are wonderful, and it gives us an opportunity to mention the fact that there's a Making Strides Against Breast Cancer uh, walk this Saturday morning. It's at Ivy Tech. Uh, there's also the Breast Cancer Awareness Walk, which is coming up um, in uh, two, well, it's the 17th, the Breast Cancer Awareness Walk, um, which is, I think it starts at City Hall. And, of course, uh, the Alcott Center is involved with the Hoosiers Outrun Cancer event, which was a major uh, Mm. event here on the 26th Mm -hmm. of September, the 10th anniversary. Mm -hmm. Can I just point out, too, I know a lot of people love to walk in these races because they're so – um, determined to help fight breast cancer. And a lot of people are kind of, they, are, they don't know that if you go to the Terre Haute um, race, the Wabash Valley affiliate race, the money raised from that stays in our own community. Right. So, you know, when you're deciding which walk you're going to do, um, just remember that this is something that the money does um, stay here and care for a lot of our own patients. And if you're right. not a walker, you can still pledge online. Right. All right. And I've run us out of time. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I ran us aground here. So I, I need to get out of the program. But I want to thank Gwen and Aaron and Renee for being here. For Mary Catherine Carmichael, producer Ariana Prather and engineer Mike Pashkash, I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Closets 2, providing organized and expanded closet and storage space for home, office, and garage using a variety of systems with no major renovations. Closets 2, owned and operated in Bloomington, 332-2233. Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Mother Bear's Pizza of Bloomington, open daily and offering pizzas, pasta dinners, and wings with daily specials. Menu available online at motherbearspizza.com, 332-4495 for delivery.